I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time To Write, a new publication on Medium. And we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Simon Rich is the author of New Teeth, Stories. He has written for Saturday Night Live, Pixar, and The Simpsons. He is the creator and showrunner of Man Seeking Woman on FXX, Miracle Worker on TBS, which he based on his books. He's also a frequent contributor to The New Yorker. Welcome, Simon. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. I really loved your short story collection. And at times I laughed out loud. And when I, I I read the New York Times review of your book and I was like, I felt the same way. That was so funny. I laughed out loud. So it is really, it's so nice really nice when a book can make you do that after a long day. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, thanks for saying that. I really appreciate it. So tell me about how this book sort of came to be. Why did you start writing these stories? How did you pick the ones you included in the collection? You know, all that good stuff. Well, I really was trying to write about my kids. I have two kids. I have a four-year-old and a a seven-month-old. And it was really kind of out of sympathy towards what they're going through that a lot of these stories originated. Like there's a story in in the book called The Big Nap, (laughs) kind of hard-boiled noir detective story. And the detective happens to be a a two-year-old baby. Which is hilarious. he is trying to make sense of a world that he can only partially understand. And he is visited by this very mysterious other baby, an 11th month old girl who we, the reader, know is is his baby sister. But he has, you know, he's not really sure about that yet. And she wants him to find her missing unicorn. (laughs) And he doesn't really trust her because there's sort of this mysterious backstory. Like some people say that she came from the hospital. There's also rumors that she 
once lived inside of mommy's tummy <laughs> and he just doesn't really know where, you know, who to trust. And a story like that, it's really just comes from a place of me sympathizing with just how baffling and confusing the world can feel to, to young kids. Uh, I, I, as a, as a full grown adult feel baffled and confused most of the time, especially in the last couple of years. So I can't even imagine how strange and, and, and frightening and overwhelming the world can sometimes feel to, to little kids. It's almost like you've taken boss baby, you know, and like turned it on its head, right? Like with the, like the voice being so developed from the point of view. Yeah. Well, boss baby, he's, he's, he knows what's what my, my, <laughs> That's true. That's true. My, my baby protagonist is, is in way over his head. He is yeah. barely, barely keeping it together. You know, he's hitting the bottle every day. <laughs> I know. He, He's just, you know, he's he's constantly waking up in strange places and doesn't know how he got there. You know, he's he's barely hanging on. It's so great to turn it all on its head, right? So much writing and literature and, you know, just so much of our brain power is about how the parents feel. Like how we are like don't know what we're doing or we're upset by this or we're trying to manage this or this is the advice we need. But it's to put the like point of view from the child is, I mean, it's just great. Like, I mean, it is, none of it makes sense. Like it is crazy. (laughs) Oh, it's so baffling. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) I was on a plane once, my daughter and somebody handed her some crayons, you know, a flight attendant. And I, I was teaching her please. And thank you. So I said, you know, what, what do you say? And she said, she remembered, thank you. And the flight attendant said, you're welcome. And then my daughter turned to another random person and said, now, what do you say? <laughs> when does this, when does this arbitrary chain of, <laughs> of meaningless statements end? Oh How God. long do we continue this, this script? And so they're really just trying to, to pull it all together. And, and it's hard, it's hard not to sympathize with what they're going through. Oh my God. My littlest guy is six. I have four kids and we were talking about cells. I, I made the misguided thing of, he was like, mommy, you're going to have more kids. And I was like, no, I had my uterus taken out. And everyone's like, oh, mom, why'd you say that? And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so then it comes into this whole thing about like cells and this and that. And he was like, you have jail cells in your body? And I'm like, no, cells. But like for a brief moment, like maybe that's what it was. Maybe I had tiny little jail cells all over me. Like who knows? I, I mean, that'd be, I think, pretty cool to have jail cells in your body. Right? I mean, you could, I would, you could take that for your next story. if you. I would just claim that. Yeah. I would just say, hey, <laughs> be careful. I'll lock you up in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. So tell me about how becoming a dad has kind of shifted aside from the fact that now like your perspective is, you know, from a two foot tall man instead of a, you know, <laughs> however tall you are. I don't know. Yeah. Well, how has it changed your writing in general? Like, did it, did it, and did you notice it like right away where you're like, oh, you know, now I have to like pivot to this or I don't know. Has it changed like your perspective on maybe that's too random? I, yeah, I think it has in, in, in like subtle ways. I don't know how much it's, it's, it's changed like my, my style uh, as a writer. Cause I, I still tend to write pretty unusual stories that are, that are mostly about robots and pirates and talking animals and things like that. Uh, and I've been doing that since since I started out. But I think my stories have gotten a little bit more hopeful and redemptive and positive. I just like the world can seem like a really like dark place, especially when you're looking at it from like a parent's vantage point and you're thinking about all the danger that's out there. And I just kind of with my stories want to add a bit of brightness to it if I can. I pretty much will scrap a story if I think that there's no way for it to have a happy ending. Whereas in previous 
short story collections, I'd be like, yeah, you know, the world's like that sometimes. So let's, we'll just roll the dice and leave this one in. And, and with this collection, New Teeth, I really only included stories that I thought ended up in a, in a somewhat redemptive place, even though often they, they start off, you know, in, in a complete nightmare scenario. <laughs> It's funny. I had dinner with a friend last night and I was talking about something that like some situation I wasn't happy that my kids had to go through or something like that. And she was like, well, but that's good because like real life, there are so many bad situations, right? Like you can make your home into this, you know, I don't know, cocoon of perfection or whatever, where you're like intellectually stimulating your kids and entertaining them and everything's okay, but they're going to go out in the world and meet people who are terrible. So you might as well just like have them experience it when you can be there to be like, oh yeah, that's an example of like a terrible thing that can happen. But you know. totally, yeah, and it's and and you have to you have to somehow teach your children to be able to cope with reality as as painful as reality can be. I, there's a story in, in in New Teeth called Everyday Parenting Tips, which is this parenting how to, and it's how do you help your child if your child is afraid of monsters, and and, and over the course of this how to, you, you gradually re- realize that it takes place in the midst of a monster apocalypse where monsters are everywhere <laughs> and completely real and absolutely after your ch- child and your child has every reason to be rationally afraid of monsters. And that was sort of my attempt to kind of figure out a metaphor for dealing with like what, what society is going through right now. You know, it's it, how do you teach your kid to be resilient, you know, as opposed to just lie to them and say, yeah, everything's fine. You know, because sometimes the monsters are actually real. The threat is real. And if you tell your kid, oh yeah, no, it's, uh, I looked under your bed, there's no monsters. They'll, they'll know you're lying if there are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There are no monsters. And yet if you move this like two inch piece (laughs) of fabric from your mouth, you could, you know, be stuck in your room for two whole weeks. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, but I'm, you know, we're we're learning. My wife and I are learning bit by bit how to how to we're we're feel completely baffled most of the time, and that's what a lot of the stories are about too. Is like frightened, confused children, but also like frightened and confused parents. Like one of my favorite, one of the most personal stories is about these two pirates, Captain Blackbones the Wicked and his his first mate Rodden Pete the the scoundrel, and they are these ruthless, murderous pirates with peg legs and eye patches and the whole deal. And they find this four-year-old stowaway girl on the ship and they just have to kind of figure out how to co-parent her, which is much harder than any treasure quest they've ever been on. Yeah. Pretty much harder than anything. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, forget the pot of gold. It's like, just keep the ship going for a few days with the four-year-old. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Abort mission. So Simon, tell me about how you got into writing to begin with. And like, did you always know you were a writer? Like, how did this whole thing start for you? And I really did. And in fact, I am in my office right now. I have this thing. Let me show this to you. My mother framed this for me for a birthday because I made it when I was five. And you probably oh barely my gosh. What, I, what I want to be when I grow when up. When I grow up, I want to be a writer of kids. Wait, it's on the thing. Yeah, kids it's books. sort of backwards. But it says, I think this is what it says. I, I had really terrible handwriting and still do. I had slow, fine motor skill development. So I couldn't hold a pencil right until I was like, well, go right to the iPhone. Yeah. It says, when I grew up, I want to be a writer of kids books. I want to write kids books because you could write anything in kids books. And then I go on to say, maybe I'll get the idea from other books. So I'm already actively trying to plagiarize. Good for you. And then I, and then I mentioned my favorite writer, Raul Dahl 
which is spelled R-O-L-D-O-L-L. <laughs> Roald Dahl. It's a tricky name. You know, it's a tr- it's not an intuitive spelling. You know, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. So so that's nothing's really changed since I was five years old. I mean, I think that even though my my books are aimed at adults, there's still something kind of like raw, hopefully a little raw doll ask about them. And it's it's it, there's still a kind of like surrealism and 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 absurdity that, that that I shoot for, even though it's it's like sometimes dealing with more adult themes. I am like 65 pages into Matilda. I've been reading a page or two every night with the kids. Yeah. Although the illustrations are propelling us farther along. So I feel more accomplished, but yeah, yeah. we're like, and, and I'm like, wow, he was ri- like, this is odd. This is totally odd, but like, I'm loving every minute. I mean, I saw the play oh, a while yeah. ago, but Matilda's, it was maybe my Matilda and the witches were probably my two favorite growing up. And I just thought just such, such perfect metaphors in both cases for, for the indignities of being a kid, you know, and the, witch, the witches really gets at the the way that kids often feel, which is that there is this grown-up conspiracy keeping you from living your best life. Totally. And then Matilda, I mean, what what a great wish fulfillment fantasy, the notion that you could somehow have agency and power in a world that is constantly trying to get you to be quiet and sit still. So I, I love those books and still do. And yeah, he's he's still probably my favorite writer. Wow. Yeah. My kids are like, oh, mom, you must love this because you love books so much, just like her. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I also love, yeah, I loved having a protagonist who loved books as much as I did. That was really exciting to see. So who, like, what types of stuff do you read now? I read a lot. Of, well, so I, I love short stories, you know, so a lot of my favorite writers are novelists, but, but like, I, I, I like their stories more. So, so like, uh, TC Boyle mm-hmm. is an example or like, older writers like Shirley Jackson. I lot of I like a lot of writers who write like genre fiction, short stories and, and other genres. Obviously somebody like Bradbury or Stephen King is is a huge influence on my writing. People are always surprised when I bring up somebody like, you know, like Richard Matheson or horror writers, but I've always just really liked short stories that take big swings. Whether they're funny or not doesn't really matter to me. I, I you know, as long as there's like an alien spaceship landing on page two or a monster coming forth from another dimension. I'm like totally on board. <laughs> and if it's funny, that's great too. But like uh, a lot of my favorite short story writers are more like premise writers. And I like the adult stories of Roald Dahl a lot too, which are very strange and and, and absurd. I haven't read that. Sometimes, sometimes funny and sometimes just kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. A lot of my favorite writers wrote like the short stories that like Twilight Zone episodes are, are based on. Like Bixby is another one. But yeah, I kind of read across all genres. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Is there something like in your life you're trying to escape from in some way? Like all these books and all these stories and the way your brain works is very much like twisting reality and like going off in another direction, right? Or something, Yeah, you know, it's sort of escapist in a way. Right. Well, yeah. What's, what's so interesting is that like, even though the stories that I, I write and I, are ostensibly very far removed from reality, they, they, they're always very autobiographical. So like a story in the, in the new collection is, is about a, a corporate robot. He's a, he's a Android named chip. And he finds out after toiling away in his cubicle for 12 years that he's been replaced by a chip 2.0, which is like a better looking cooler <laughs> version of himself. <laughs> cause he, cause he was, he wasn't programmed to have a personality or social skills. So this, this new robot is, is taking over. So that's like, that's one where it's like, you know, on the, on the face of it, it's like science fiction. But what I was really trying to write about is just how it feels to not be young and super young anymore. And to start to feel like it's in some ways you're becoming obsolete, which is, I think something that anybody over 30 can relate to on some level. And so I, I, I come at these stories from a pretty emotional, like grounded place, but I always try to find like a, a metaphor that dramatizes like how it, how it feels to go through something as opposed to how it actually occurred. Because if, if I were to write about my actual life in, in a realistic way, people would be bored to tears. So. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Yeah. Well, so, but what about the fact that I feel like it's harder to really get a collection of short stories out there, right? The market for them, so to speak, is much tougher than selling fiction or like a full length novel or something like that. And to have that be your preferred genre. I was just talking to somebody who writes poetry and she's like, you know, this is just it. Like I, you know, it's been like this my whole life, but I'm a poet. I like to write poetry. And so it's a weird thing to devote your life to (laughs) short fiction, but I love it. Yeah. It's, I've always, I've always wanted to do it. I feel really lucky to get a chance to do it. And yeah, I'm just really grateful. I get to, I get to, I get to write them. What are you working on now? more of the same, (laughs) more stories. Yeah. I just, this is, uh, I've written now eight books, I guess, one, two, three, and six of them are are short story collections. I have published a couple of novels, but I really prefer the short stories. And what I love about them is you can just take enormous swings and you can really take risks that you can't always in a 300 page novel. I wrote a story in new teeth. That's from the 
perspective of a antique laser disc machine. And I, I feel like if it were 300 pages long, it would start to overstay its welcome and people would get pretty sick of the narrator. But at 12 pages, a reader might be patient enough to go with you on, 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 on like such a weird journey. And that's, that's what I love about short stories is you can really just go full, full tilt. You, you can, you know, sprint as opposed to jog. And when you write them, do you write them all at once or does it take you a couple of weeks? Like what's the normal length of time to write a story for you? Yeah, it takes a couple of weeks. I outline them. You know, I, I, I have a lot of premises that I, that I write down and then I have to kind of outline them to see if, if they have legs, you know, if they, if they're, if they're, cause some of the, some of the premises I come up with are, they, they might make me laugh, but they're more like sketch comedy. They don't have like a story potential, the character isn't strong enough. And there is, it, it doesn't really suggest like a narrative and those I, I abandon. And then once I'm outlined in it, I, I always trying to figure out like, is there a way for it to have a happy ending of some kind? <laughs> a lot of my, my premises are rooted in like, you know, some disaster nightmare scenario. And so it's always like, is there a way to kind of have this character learn something or make some connection or realization by the end that, that makes us feel like happy that we have read about this character's plight as opposed to just like depressed and cynical. <laughs> yeah. Hand me the next book that will make me feel even more depressed than I was. When I, was I know. Yeah. When, you, when you're, when you're reading a, a, a collection of, of short comedic stories, you, you know, you don't want any of them to like bum you out. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done so much already and you're still like so young, not to say that. I mean, you can't be, I mean, I don't even, how old are you? You do even say that? 37. 37. Oh my gosh. Okay. Happy birthday, I guess. Thank you. So what do you, what, what do you, what's on your wish list still? Like, do you feel like, I mean, it sounds like you've done, you've accomplished your, you know, framed childhood mission of essentially writing for kids or adults who feel like kids on the inside, which is basically all of us. Like what else, what else do you want to do? You've done so much already. Just more of the same. I mean, it's a boring answer, but I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to get sharper with the, with the, with the stories to dig deeper. And I always try to improve from book to book and that's kind of it, you know, I sort of, sort of a boring answer, but, but yeah, I know I, I, I love writing short fiction. I want to keep doing it until they tell me to stop. So can you tell me like a little preview of like whatever it is you're working on? Like, let's say we turn off the zoom and you go back to life and everything. Sure. What world are you in today? Writing about animals today. <laughs> Writing a story about animals in a forest, trying to learn moral lessons and coming up against kind of difficult amoral situations and encountering a lot of gray areas. That's sort of, that's the sort of the, the world that I'm writing in this morning. We'll see if it turns into anything. Love it. It's so cool. It's amazing to think of like all these writers sitting all over, right, with all these different worlds that they're creating and like putting on the page. Like you can envision it like from above, you know, like little fantasy worlds like all over. Never mind. I'm like No, I I I think about that too. I'm always thinking like with my favorite writers, I'm always thinking, I wonder what they are working on right now. The great thing about being a writer of books is that if something doesn't work out, you can just throw it away and, and nobody will ever see it. That's like what I another thing I really love about it. It's like you have so much freedom because nobody's watching you write. When you're a stand-up comedian, you're out on stage and bombing half the time and it's incredibly stressful. Whereas if I write a short story and it it ends up being boring or unfunny or derivative or depressing, I just leave it on the desktop and nobody ever nobody ever sees it. And so that's 
it, it, it's a very like relaxing kind of profession in that, in that, yeah. in that <laughs> hidden, hidden failures, you know, the exactly. life of a writer. Yeah, totally. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's just, so last question, what advice would you give to aspiring authors? What advice? I mean, I, I, I would say the best advice I, I think that I have is, is just to really only write the stuff that you would want to read. You know, it's, it's tempting to try to kind of like write something that you think will appeal to some group of people or some demographic or some professor or some critic. And it never really works in my experience. Whenever you try to write something that you don't actually love, other people are not going to love it as a rule. And if you write something that you love, odds are there are other people in the world who will, who will love it too, or at least like it. And maybe it will be a small group, but that's something you can't control. You have to just kind of, for better or for worse, be yourself. And if you, if you keep that as like your, your North Star, then eventually you'll find some people who have the same taste as you and they'll, they'll come along, hopefully. <laughs> I know. I feel like as I've gotten older, I've like come to terms with the fact that like none of my emotions or feelings about anything I consume content wise or, or otherwise really is, is that unique. So if I like love something, even if I feel like it's kind of out there or whatever, but like I'm, it's making me laugh or I'm loving it, like somebody else is going to feel that way. Like it's not just yeah. me. <laughs> well, they always say, somebody told me once, like the best gift to get somebody is not something you think they'll like, but something you think everybody should, would like. And yeah, it's like when you're writing something, you're like, I don't really like this, but I think other people might. Right. That's, I, you're on. You, you you're you're on the wrong. You're on the wrong track. Yeah. Well, go now, back to what you go back to writing what you love. Even if, even, a... even if you think other people are going to think it's ridiculous. I'm rethinking all my recent gifts now at this. Point. Oh no! I know. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're crowd pleasers. <laughs> I also like am of this like. I can't remember what I've gotten people. I'm like, sure, I'm repeating myself, you know, but if people are too nervous oh, to tell yeah, you, but I'm like, I pretty sure stuff. I got you this last year, but I know you're going to love this coffee table book about home design because wow, <laughs> <laughs> who would have loved this? On top, yeah, they could have a mashing set of two. Yeah. Look great. Exactly. Yeah. You could, uh, I don't know. And then they can give it as a gift. I gave somebody a bottle yeah. of wine. I was like, I'm pretty sure you just gave this to me last week when you came over, but here you go. Oh yeah, just trading the same bottle of wine same around, bottle. Yeah, just, around the friend group for, yeah. for years. Ridiculous. Anyway, well, Simon, thank you so much. This is really fun. And I'm sorry I couldn't find the actual book as we talked. I like to have it with me, but All good. anyway. It's white, it's pink. I know. It's been literally in my purse as I've changed bags. The last, you know, I like to keep them around me, all the books that are coming up. So, so I can read like little bits, especially with short stories. It's so great. I could like stop and I'd be like, you know, 20 minutes early to meet somebody and I could be reading a short story. It's perfect. So yeah. Yeah, I love right size. Well, thanks right so much size. for having me. I really, right. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.